We are back at it with another episode of the Scoop Podcast, a little early dose of Penguins hockey talk to kick off your summer. Thank you for being along for the ride with us. I am Josh Getzoff, and we're closing in on the 2019 NHL entry draft here in the month of June, of course, being held June 21st and 22nd at Rogers Arena in Vancouver, British Columbia. And to get us set for everything draft-related, we call upon a great source of information for this episode as Sam Kassan and I sat down with Patrick Alvine, the Pittsburgh Penguins Director of Amateur Scouting, and you can make no mistake, these drafts, they're kind of like his Stanley Cup final as he and his team of scouts put their best effort forward in the hopes of adding to the Penguins' prospect arsenal during draft weekend. Now, Patrick just wrapped up his second season as the Pittsburgh Penguins' director of amateur scouting and oversees all Penn's amateur scouting efforts in North America and Europe, reporting directly to Penguins' assistant GM, Jason Carmanos. Alvin has been with the Penguins' organization for 12 years, starting as a European scout from 2006 to 2012, before a promotion to head European scout from 2012 to 2017 and then of course now being elevated to his current position as the director of amateur scouting at the start of the 2017-18 regular season. Any and all decisions made by the Penguins as it pertains to the players they select over the NHL draft weekend will have Patrick and his staff's fingerprints all over them. Also wanted to mention, as you can imagine, Patrick is a fairly busy man right now with a lead-up to the draft. So before he sat down with Sam and I, he and his staff got together in Pittsburgh for some meetings, and we understand that Penns TV had some unique access to those meetings, so be sure to keep it tuned to Penns TV and PittsburghPenguins.com the week of the draft to see what their cameras and microphones picked up in the room during some pretty important organizational conversations. All right, with that being said, let's take you to the interview. Here's our chat with Patrick Alvey. Hey, Patrick. Hi, Josh. Thanks for having me. Great to have you on. It's a pleasure to have you. Let's be honest. (laughs) Thanks, Sam. It's our our pleasure. No, it's my pleasure to be with you guys. So what's it been like? Let's uh, just kind of backtrack, I guess. But what's it been like here kind of growing into this role? You know, um, I'm, you know, I'm very pleasured. to work with, with uh, this organization and work with, uh, with such a quality staff, um, great management, and, and I've learned a lot. Uh, um, this been, uh, you know, obviously been a new position for me, but uh, um, without the help from my, my uh, scouting staff and, and the management, um, I wouldn't be sitting here today. So um, it's been a great, uh, a great uh, run so far, and... Uh, uh, it was, we were excited for the upcoming draft here, for sure. Speaking of the upcoming drafts, the first time since 2014 the Penguins have a first-round pick, so I'm sure as a scout that kind of gets you excited coming into it. What does this draft look like? What's kind of jumping out to you? Any players or anything that you know, it was a deep draft? Is it a week in one position? Can you give us kind of an outlook on the upcoming draft? I think, uh, you know, every year is obviously different. And, and at this point, um, I do think that this year's draft is actually pretty good. Uh, just uh, coming coming down to Pittsburgh here after a week up in, in Buffalo for the Combine and meeting all the players, I think there is a lot of good players uh, in this year's draft. And I, I do think there is a lot of good players up top. And, uh, and I also think there are, you know, a, a lot of good players in the back end of the draft. Um and you know, I, I you know, we as you said, we 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 have our our first round pick here, twenty first, and and we're excited about that opportunity. I think that um, you know the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, um, we want to bring in a good player um, that that can contribute uh, sooner and later. Um, 
and and I you know it, picking twenty one I think it's 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 hard. I mean you you gotta you gotta hope that some of the players you have uh, uh, listed a little bit higher gonna gonna fall through and you're gonna be lucky. But uh, I think the other teams ahead of us will uh, kind of dictate who we're gonna get at twenty one. Speaking of the teams ahead of you, I know you said you're out with Tom Fitzgerald now working with the Devils. Did he tip you off on who they're looking at for the top pick? I I, I wish I was I was working on him there, but but, but I uh, you know uh, quite honestly, I think um, everybody's talking about uh, about use uh, and and Kako. Um, it, it's it's a tough decision, I, I assume, for uh, New Jersey there and. Uh, you know, uh, Rangers sitting at the second spot, they will get a good player <laughs> without having to make a decision. But, do, you, do you think it's almost better to be in the second spot where you don't have to make the decision? Less pressure? I think so. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I think when you're picking up there, uh, you're hoping to get a player um, that can contribute pretty fast, like almost stepping in next year, which, you know, if you're picking a little bit, Later, later down, I think you could have the patience and the privilege to wait a couple of years, and and the player can, uh, you know, mature and get stronger and all that. And we all see some of those players, uh, you know, turning out to be more impactful players. So um, obviously, it's a luxury to be picking one or two, uh, but in this this case, I I don't think any of those two players that we're talking about could be could be wrong. But uh, definitely, I mean, for Rangers not have to make the decision, it's, it's a nice one. <laughs> when you guys are getting prepared for a draft, as I know Sam mentioned, and you talked about a little bit earlier, Patrick, that you guys have a first-round pick this year at 21st uh, in the draft. But obviously it hasn't always been the case the last handful of seasons. I know going into the one a couple years ago you guys did before it was traded away in the Ryan Reeves deal. But from your perspective and from the preparation perspective, what's it like when you know you're on the board in the first round as opposed to, sometimes in the last couple of years going into draft day one and knowing that you weren't making a pick at least to start the day yeah uh, I think uh, first and foremost I, I want our staff to be prepared for whatever scenario and I, I think here um, as you as you mentioned like in the Pittsburgh Penguins you know a lot of things can happen at that, that, that draft week and I feel that our staff are are very prepared for every year and obviously, I, I think you know you could you could sense it when we have a chance to get a first round pick. They're they're excited, they're really excited. And when you don't have it, it's like you're sitting there the first day and you see watching a lot of good players getting picked, and you know that you know you like them, and and you're not gonna get a crack at them. Um, but uh, I think that's part of, of working in the NHL uh, in today's game too. I think uh, that, you know we're here in Pittsburgh. We wanna we wanna have a chance to win the Stanley Cup every year, and that that means you you might wanna give up you know the future a little bit. But uh, at the same time, it's our challenge to be prepared and and uh, be ready for any scenarios there. And you know, with players having to develop, sometimes taking a couple of years, is the mentality going into it, or what's I guess the scouting philosophy? Is it best player available, or this guy kind of fits our system more? Or how, how do you kind of base the fact of when you're scouting these guys what you're looking for? Yeah, I, I think that's uh, you know, I, I think we have uh, we have a model in place, we have an identity in place of a, of a player for for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And obviously, uh, you know, the, as you said, uh, it might take a couple of years down the road before this player is ready. And, and most likely, if you're picking outside the first round, it's going to take time. 
Uh, I mean, look at the guy like Teddy Bluger. He was drafted seven years ago um, and finally got a chance and opportunity and did really well. So I, I think we we got to have that in mind. And, and uh, uh, you know, when we have handing over the, the draft picks to uh, our development staff and Wilkesbury, there's a lot of communication and, and a lot of teaching and learning for those kids. So um, I don't think you necessarily pick for a need right now as that could change so you want to have the best player up uh, but the best player also going to fit what uh, the, the identity and the culture of the Pittsburgh Penguins is. Do you buy into that idea that there is a specific player? I know Sam kind of just asked this, but for an organization, and the reason I, I, I'm bringing that up is because I look at like the Boston Bruins, for example, and when you watch them play, obviously in the Stanley Cup final, but it seems like every single player on their team plays the same exact way. And we all know how the Penguins were in 16 and 17 with the speed and every, we don't need to rehash all that stuff again. But for you guys, from your guys' perspective, when you're looking at players, is there a, a kind of dialed-in note that you have when you look at a particular player to say this guy can play Penguins hockey? Yeah, I think I think we talk a lot about it. Um, you know, in, in the, the identity we want to have a, as a Pittsburgh Penguins team, and and I mean having Sidney Crosby as a leader here, you, you obviously the the, the the character and compete is, is high. Uh, but in order to play in today's game, you're going to have a skill set too. So um, hopefully, hopefully the fans and 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 you guys could say that. You know, we, we can see and we can appreciate what a what a penguin player is, um, but I think we also got to be, you know, realistic too. That that, that the players need time, uh, and uh, I think uh, our development staff and uh, Wilkesbury staff have done a tremendous job with the players, um, and I think that that's the biggest part of of our success that we were able to to work with the players and get them ready. And once they are ready, they could contribute and step into the lineup there. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, you, you've been through the ringer quite a bit. I know now you're like the big boss and the head honcho, but there was a time when you were the lowly scout having to be on the road and doing a lot of, I know you still do a lot of that, but can you take us through a day in the life of what a scout has to do or even a week, uh, the day-to-day -day grind that it takes, you know, different cities, different teams, different, looking at different players, just kind of walk us through a travel schedule, I guess, for a scout? Yeah. No, I, and I still think I'm, um, I'm a scout. I, you know, I'm still enjoying it, uh, going to the rink every day. But, uh, you know, the, the toughest part of being a scout is, is uh, uh, learning how to do a schedule. I think that's the toughest, you know, try to, to fit the games in with your traveling plans. And, um, you know, over in Europe specifically when I, when I first started, it's uh, – you know, you got to try to figure out if the player going to play pro hockey or is the player going to be in the junior team uh, and all that. And then uh, you, you're going to try to get, you know, your flights in order if you're going to be in Czech Republic or if you're going to be up in Finland or Sweden. Um, and obviously that's that's the toughest part. And then the second one is, is to do uh, the report writing after the games. I think the easiest part is to go to games <laughs> that's that's the most fun part uh but i mean and just uh you know just a preparation i think you you gotta um you gotta stay in touch with uh with the coaches and 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 see if the specific player is playing uh especially here now for me being a crossover guy uh, a global crossover guy i don't want to go to games uh if the player is not playing 
and obviously that takes away time for me. So uh, it's it's a lot of uh, communication with our area staff and, and a lot of planning. Um, so so you know a day like a week. You, obviously you be planning a couple of weeks ahead so you can book your flights and stuff like that. But it's it's a lot of communication. Um, to get a f get a sense and get a feel from from each area where I should be, um, that that is you know that that's a, the toughest one and 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 try to combine a, a good schedule where I might start in the in on Monday in the OHL and then you know get on a plane on on Tuesday and fly to Montreal and see a couple of Quebec games. And then, you know, if there's opportunity on the weekend, uh, bump down to, to Boston for a prep school game. And then you might fly out to, to Halifax for a Saturday-Sunday tilt out there. Um, and, and uh, you know, you got you to gotta enjoy being uh, by yourself on the road. You got to <laughs> enjoy it. And you can't be str Like, things happen. You know, you got to cancel flights and uh, you got big lineups and, and all that. Uh, getting into the airports, but um, I guess that's that's part of the job. Yep, I'm sure there's some situation where you show up and the player ends up getting injured beforehand, and so you're having to scout out. What, what are some maybe travel <laughs> stories you can share with us where maybe things have gone awry or not exactly as you planned, or like you said, a delayed flight, maybe couldn't get to to Montreal to see that player in Quebec? Well, well the biggest one was, uh, I think it was one of my earliest year when when uh, there was the World um, Under-18 Championship in uh, Belarus, Minsk, and uh, they had the ash smoke in Iceland, so all, <laughs> they shut down all the flights because you can fly. Oh, yeah. And um, I was over in Sweden, and and they, they couldn't uh, no they closed down the airports because of the ash smoke. So we ended up uh, I think we were eight 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 other scouts. We ended up taking a, a night ferry from Stockholm to Latvia and in Latvia we had two drivers uh, picking us up and we're driving eight hours from Riga, Latvia to, uh, to Minsk uh, oh. in Belarus uh, <laughs> and uh, you know we ended up having pretty fun I mean uh, but we were all you know all the stress leading up to it like how are we, we going to miss it how are we going to figure it out and you know um, and you know just the communication with the with the, uh, the hotel in Minsk to send us drivers and, and uh, that, that was pretty fun yeah. um, but yeah and, you know you, uh, Sounds like a lot to figure out. Were you, were you <laughs> the ringleader on that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Language charge. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. We, you know what? It's a great, great bunch of, of staff members and other teams too. There's a lot of com camaraderie on, on the you know off offside the the, the the rink and you know at the hotels in the evening and you're chatting along there and you know you're having dinner at the, uh, at times when it works, but. Um, Things like that, and then you know, and sometimes yeah, yeah. This year, I, I I think I was in in Omaha when uh, when a blizzard came in there, and we're, we're I think there was like ten teams there, and uh, you know, you can't get out on the highways; it was shut down, so not much you can do than stay at the hotel. <laughs> uh, I think you know, and then it happened too, like a couple of years ago when. Um, Especially in, in the KHL, like they they don't want to give you if, if the young player is going to play or not. So, I 
um, traveling to Riga. I was going to see a potential first-round pick, and uh, I think it was you know probably around 20 teams there and a couple of assistant GMs and GMs, and uh, we're all walking into the rink, and, and we can't find the guy on, on the roster uh, in the lineup. So he, he, was, he was scratched, and uh, I was fortunate. I was just traveling from Sweden, but you could, you could sense the North American guys that they're coming <laughs> all the way over to see this guy, and he's not playing. So uh, those are those are the things you really can't control, and uh, I think you know you you're learning. Like there's not much you can do about it, and uh, you can't get stressed up for things you you can't control. So much of it seems to be relationships. Are you now on a first name basis with every security guard in the <laughs> yeah. entire junior circuit? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, you're meeting you're meeting people at the airports. You're meeting the same people at the rental cars, and you know this year I was out in Kelowna and. Um, was going to get on a flight to Calgary, and there, when I was checking in, there was a, a, a lady there uh, looking at my boarding card and a uh, boarding pass, and, and and you know she's like, uh, speaks was speaking English and asked me if uh, if I had a you know Swedish uh, um, relationship. She she was reading into my name there, and I said yes uh, in Swedish. I'm Swedish, and she was Swedish, and you know for the next couple of times out there, I always run into her and speak in Swedish. So. <laughs> you, you kind of, you know, some places you get to know the people, and, and this, we stay at the same hotels too. There's a lot of, a lot of people in, in the service business at the hotels and, and airports are tremendous, nice people that really loves hockey and want to talk hockey. So, is there as much of a black and white difference between like a European prospect and a North American prospect when you look at it as far as watching them play? Because a lot of times I feel like we hear when when the draft comes around, it's the Swedish-born player or the Finnish-born player is more of a man, and the guy coming out of the U.S. Is, needs to put some weight on it. I mean, there have been exceptions, obviously, but I feel like you maybe hear that a little bit more from the European players than more so the North American ones. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, you, you might be, be right with the with top-end guys that been you know been able to play a little bit of pro hockey. I think they... Yeah. they you know, it's seventeen, eighteen. You you could tell that they've been in the pro environment, and they you know, they they trend to do to know a little bit more. Um, but but I you know, in terms of um, playing in front of fans, it, like if you if you're a junior player over in Europe, I, I don't think you play in front of fans and media in the same way that that junior player does over here. I think that's a. I think that's the difference, and uh, um, I think honestly, I think that I think the the USHL and prep school and the European leagues are the hardest league to scout in. I think that's where you see a lot of difference uh, in 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 this age group. You see, uh, you know, uh, some of them are a little bit in more immature and and might need a couple of extra years. So. Um, but I think that you know the global hawk is getting you know closer and closer. When you talk about scouting, you said watching the game is your favorite aspect of it. So when you do sit down and you're watching a, a prospect, can you kind of walk us through how you scout them, how you go up here? Because I remember talking to one of the Penguin scouts a couple of years ago, and he said in the first period he would just kind of let the game come to him, and then the second period he would kind of ISO in on whoever he was there to scout, and the third period he would just sit back and see if somebody jumped out to him or, or follow the play in that sense. So when you actually sit down and watch these games, what are you looking for? How do you evaluate? What are you writing down? All those things. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, going into games, you've you got to be prepared, obviously. You, you, you want to go through um, 
the notes from other scouts that watch the players, and you want to kind of uh, look at the look at the stat sheets and see if if someone been really hot over the last couple of weeks, or you know somebody might come back from an injury and and all that. And you know f- uh, when you start scouting in the fall, I think that's you know you you want to. You know, you want the players to come to you for sure. I, I think you you circle it, or you circle in a couple of guys that they're up for the draft, and um, you, you you usually you know give him you know give him one team the first period, and and maybe the the other team the second period, and then you know by this third period you have you have circled him in a little bit more, and um, you kind of you know looking for more specifics. Um, as the season progress, um, you know, I, I think you're going into games and, and there might just be one player to watch. So uh, the early part is more, it, it's for sure a more challenging part. Uh, you know, you, you know, you're going to try to get a feel for the guys, um, get, a, get a sense, uh, you know, for who you want to come back and watch. And um, I think that's a, you know you want to see the growth in in each player um, every you know every month, um, but it's it's more of an identification in the early stage there. And then afterwards, obviously, you do the little interview with them or kind of chat with them. So, what do you kind of ask them? What are you trying to get to learn from these guys? Yeah, I, I think uh, I think you could do it in different ways, and I I prefer to to uh, take them out in 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 a different settings where the players feel more comfortable and relaxed. I think in this uh, young age, you're all nervous, and some of them might be really prepared from the agents and stuff like that. And you, you want to try to get to know the, the the real player, the real person, and and in order to do that, you. you if you can get them to lunch or a coffee or whatever in, in a more relaxing environment, I think that's where where you got to get to know them best. And you know, talking about the relationship you have with uh, coaches, management. Um, you know, we encourage our area guys to dig in with the billets, the schools. We want we want to know everything. Uh, I don't want any surprises uh, after we've been drafting a, a player. I, I think we we want to know as much as possible. You know, the familiar. The, the family situation and and you know you, you know if if a player is uh, might be 150 pounds and and 510 you know you want to see how the the, the the mom and dad look uh, you know see if there's a gro- growth uh, down the road and all that so um, it it sure is a big picture of, of getting to know a, a, a person in your role now how often is, are those reports kind of forwarded to you and then you see a player who maybe you haven't had a chance to see that closely that that there's enough positive notes on that particular player that draw you to go see them does that happen quite a bit now yeah uh, for sure uh, i think my my, my schedule as a is a main uh, global crossover guy that means i i you know i might see the player hopefully you know a handful of times during the year but that's what you know every day i'm trying to to read the reports that the area guys are sending in um if there is any uh, concerning or if i have any question on him i i'd like to follow up with the area guy you know i want to challenge the area guy to go back and watch him again we might have uh you know a disagreement on the, on the skating I might think the guy is a good skater, and the other guy might think is just an average skater. So I want to make sure we clear those things up. And uh, you know, then for the area guy, it's more to to follow up on the due diligence stuff. Like, how good is this guy? Like, how how much does he want it? The, the has his characteristics and all that stuff. So um, I think you know, 
I'm I, obviously in, in Buffalo with the combine. It's great for me to to get a chance to meet and see every single one. But um, or or area guys are doing a tremendous job um, out on the field and, and get gathering all the information so I can read into it. You talk about that when you put together your draft board and you have all these different scouts looking at different guys might have some disagreements here and there. You know, you're looking at guys in the Ontario Hockey League, guys in Western Hockey League, and when you put together your board, how do you kind of disseminate where you think guys should place? Is it do you get the whole group together and kind of go over things? Like, how, how do you go through the process of putting together your draft board? Yeah, um, no, I think that's that's uh, mainly the the biggest challenge of, of getting the players in the right order, and it, it's it's tough, and because you see a lot of passion from each area scout, they've been following those players for you know some of them for two years, and and they've done their due due diligence and. Um, you, you respect it, um, so it, it's my, my job to get the, my job and, and Colin Alexander's jo uh, job to get it in, in the right order here. Um, so what we do is, uh, you know, we we have our midterm meeting where, you know, that's the first time we get together and, and kind of see, okay, here it's January, uh, where do we have our players? Uh, what you know, what what are we looking for in the second half? You know, um, what do we want to see here? What's the question mark? So you guys here, here area homework, follow up on that. And as the season progresses, here, I mean, it's, it's so important to stay in contact with each area guy there. Um, we have our final meetings in May, and leading up to that, we have uh, several uh, conference calls. Uh, and what we do is to get the, um, make sure we have the area list in, in order. And once we have that in order, um, it's it's easier to merge the overall list. But it's a lot of fine tuning, and uh, you know we have the guys coming in here to Pittsburgh for four days, and and uh, we're sitting in there and just um, just going through and making sure the, the the order of the list is 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 where we feel comfortable about it. I feel like this is probably an obvious question, but do you guys do your due diligence with the guys at the very top of the draft? Like, are you going to look at a Hughes and a Kako as far as your overall big board is concerned, or because the Penguins are at 21, is that not? No, I think we, I, I want, as I said, I, I think we, I want my guys to be prepared for ever, in, in any scenario, and you, you never know. And, and even even if, if you don't have a chance at, at those guys at this point, you never know what the future is going to hold if you do a trade or something like that. And I think that's, that's our job to know um, all the players every in the every year's draft. And I think that, you know, you more information we can gather, you better be off we are uh, down the road. If we could, uh, you know, if we could steal a player from another organization that we that we really liked uh, at a young age and maybe he's been struggling a little bit and maybe have a chance to get him later on. So, no, I encourage all our, our scouts to, to meet all the players in the draft. And so what are you looking at when you go to the combine? Obviously, you've already seen most of these guys on the ice. This is a chance obviously, to sit down with a couple of them, interview them. You know, you, they'll do all the weight tests, the bench press, all that stuff. What are you kind of looking for in those parameters when you get to that combine? And what are you trying to take away? It, honestly, it's, it's, it's very tough. You, you get 15 to 20 minutes. It's almost, almost like a speed dating. And you, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you see the, uh, you know, the different personality. Like some of the 17, 18-year-old kids are, are you know, adults. They know, you know, they know what their path is. 
Uh, they're confident. Uh, some of them might look like a Greek god, like you, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, uh, and the some of them. Just went, this is not my favorite podcast. Now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, and some of them might, you know, need, you know, need those four years in college or need those four years in Europe. Um, but, it, but leading up to the combine, uh, I, I think, you know, I, you know, I'm reading the reports from our area guys, what they've seen. And I just want to get a chance to sit down with those kids for 15 minutes and, and, and meet them. And, and we also um, make sure we're taking out a couple of players every night for dinners that, that we think that, you know, want to spend a little bit extra time and get to know a little bit better and, and um, get them more relaxed and, you know, fire a couple of questions there and see, um, see what's really behind there. Well, I think a lot of times when you look in – today's world just technology is so big and everything that comes with that and I know Sam and I were talking about it before we talked to you just scouting over the years how it's changed and you mentioned the reports that are filed but I imagine everything just comes straight to your fingertips now and being able to read about a player maybe even look at video of a player which you know 15 20 years ago was not always the case I'm sure you with your time alone in Europe can kind of speak to that not being always the case but uh, it seems that all that stuff is way more prevalent for people nowadays how does that help things in the sense that there's not really a surprise anymore as far as who a player is what he looks like and what he can do yeah you're right uh, it, when I first started you could you could still find those you know the diamond in the rough like everybody wanted to go for them you know when I started uh, Detroit was very successful over in Europe they they had found a lot of late bloomers there um and and over the years with you know with all the social medias and all the internet stuff and and youtube and and all the information you gather now i think it's it's not that many secrets out there it's just how different teams view different players and i think you know we the scouts are very competitive like we are competing against 30 other teams. We want to be the best. So how do we get, you know, how do we become the best? Uh, you know, when I, when I first started, and as you said, it was a dial-in tone when, you know, to send, <laughs> send, in, the, yeah, send in the reports. And, you know, if you were in Russia for a week, you, you know, the, the poor dial-in tone never worked. <laughs> so you, you couldn't send it in. But um, I think that's, you know, the, that's where communication is a, it's it, it's it's on another level like now you could facetime you could you could talk to each other on, on all the time i mean that's you know driving in the cars back to the hotel after games and that's how you communicate and um i i i do think that are i i do think we have been fairly successful of finding players in the in the later rounds because we i i think we have been very competitive we we you know if we only have three picks we want to make sure we 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 nail those kids and and sometimes you you're gonna look for some different characteristics that you know that this kid might not be perfect today but you know four five six seven years down the road with our help he might have enough traits that that will get him to the nhl you said wanting to nail those picks, and they might not be perfect today, maybe more down the road. Is it crazy to think that 
your entire profession is based on judging kids that are 17 and 18 years <laughs> old and how much they can and can't change and the, the art of scouting, trying to project. Ah, it, it, it's, it's, it, honestly, it's, it's mind bugging and frustrating. <laughs> and you, you, you have a lot of sleepless nights when it's like, ah, I didn't see that coming here. And, you know, why isn't this guy making it? And I thought for sure it was a slam dunk. And, and that's the thing. Like, you, you forget about that the kid, they, 17, 18, a lot of things could happen. You know, some of them might never face any adversity. And, and here you're getting a, you know, a 21 first year in college. You might, you know, running into some adversity. How do you handle that? And, and that's where you, I think the development staff are, are so important to taking over for, because it doesn't really matter what we bring what we are bringing in from the scouting perspective, if we don't have a good development staff that could develop those kids and help them taking the next step, uh, then the process doesn't exist. And who are some of the guys that maybe you're excited they're already in the Penguins organization uh, that really stand out to you that our development staff has kind of been priming up for? I, I mean, uh, credit to, to the development staff and, and – uh, the coaches in Wilkesbury, uh, you look at the guy like Teddy Bluger. I mean, I mean, he's done everything uh, down there to deserve to get a chance. And I believe that uh, the coaching staff with Clark Donatelli and uh, they they helped him. And once he was ready, he got the opportunity, and and he stayed. Um, you know, um, you saw when we're when we're winning there uh, f- back in '16 when Sully took over and. Uh, um, you had several guys coming up, um, Brian Russ, Dominic Simon, um, Matt, Matt Murray. Like th- those, those were the guys that uh, been down there. Jake, Jake Gansel was another guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's uh, the patient and, and the reality of you know, today's uh, salary cap era too. You can't force any players in, um, and you got to work with them and and. You know, hopefully we've got a couple of players uh, in the pipeline that have a chance to fight for, for some of the spots this year coming up. What is that like when you formulate the organizational big board as opposed to the draft big board? And kind of, as Sam mentioned, looking at guys that are close, but also looking at the big picture, guys that you picked in the seventh round and guys that you picked in the first round and then trying to figure out how they all potentially could maybe one day become Penguins. Yeah, I, I think that's a... Uh, that's a big, big challenge for, for the management to, to kind of figure out that puzzle. But one thing I know that if you have a lot of pieces, I think you're going to be better off. I think that's where you could, you could make trades. You have assets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that you're – I think that's – you know, we've been able to, to find guys in the mid to later rounds, and that's why we've been, you know, successful. And, and that's my job to make sure that I'm going to bring in players for – you know, first and foremost for our organization to play for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but also for um, Jim Rutherford to have trade chips. And just last question, maybe there's some potential scouts listening out there, people that want to get into scouting. Can you tell us how, I know you had a playing career, you were pro, and then you had the knee injury that kind of cost you your career, and then you got into scouting. How did you get into scouting? And if someone's listening that is curious about getting into scouting, what advice would you give to them? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. I think uh, obviously you got to have a you got to have a real passion for the game. Uh, I think that's a, the bottom line. And and quite honestly, you, I think getting into scouting, I think that's that's a 
great step um, if you want to do something else in hockey too, either if you want to be a coach or a manager, but just getting into scouting and, and knowing the game and and I, I guess it's it's you got to go to games and, and and watch games. That's a that's a biggest thing, and um, it's a hard question to to answer. Like you know, uh, what is a good scout, and what you know what separates a good scout? And I think that it, you know to be open minded and and to be able to communicate and and always have the drive to learn to get better, mm. because as you guys touched on here, I'm, we're working with seventeen, eighteen year old kids. You, you, sometimes you forget about it. Like you, you, you always learn. Um, so I guess you know, number one, have, have passion and love of the game. I, I think that's where most of the scouts have. How did you get involved? I was, uh, you know, I was uh, growing up. I was, uh, I would say, I was a rink rat <laughs> with <laughs> all the guys. And and once I, you know, started, I loved to be at the game. Loved to listen to the former NHL players coming home. I, you know, growing up. Um, being around, uh, you know, the two Pittsburgh defensemen, uh, Samuelsons, in, in my hometown and hang around with them in the summer and just see how hard they worked every day. I think that's that's why when I wanted to become a player. But um, And also being around those players that helped me, you know, get into to scouting because uh, um, f- former Red Wings uh Player in Calgary Flames, player a long time ago, Danny Labrat, and he he approached me. My my that ended up being my last year uh, playing, and he was uh, he was uh, scouting for New Jersey Devils, and he, he thought that you know if you're looking for something after hockey, I, I think you would be a good scout, and and I kind of yeah that would be interesting. I didn't really know what it was, but he, he you know he told me that he will get me in there, just be patient, and that's when it opened up. Uh, uh, in Montreal, so uh, I was fortunate, and uh, as I said, I've been fortunate working with a lot of good hockey players and uh, f- hockey players and, and people. And here you are now, the top dog. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, exactly. It's, it's uh, I, I, but I never take anything for granted. I, 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 I honestly, I, you know, I'm very fortunate to working with a lot of good uh, managers in Pittsburgh, uh, good hockey people here for since I started 2006. I, I mean, I've I've learned every year from from a lot of good hockey people and and i think you know um mario as an owner setting the standards here to make sure we have good people in in place which is great well definitely don't take a trip in june to vancouver for granted (laughs) (laughs) i know you have work to do but uh, that's a good place to be right (laughs) tremendous place to be especially if you have a couple of picks too eh? yeah yeah. (laughs) exactly Well, thanks again for doing this, Patrick. Uh, Obviously, the NHL draft coming up June 21st and 22nd in Vancouver, uh, home of the Canucks. And we'll look forward to following Sam's coverage of that on Penguins.com and Penns TV. And, of course, following the picks you and your staff make, Patrick. Thanks for doing this. Thanks. It's an honor to be here, guys. All right, that's Patrick Alvin, Director of Amateur Scouting for the Pittsburgh Penguins. This has been the Scoop Podcast, a little summer edition episode. For Sam Kassan, I'm Josh Getzoff. Again, thanks to Patrick Alvin, and we'll catch you next time.